preaching text is from Matthew 3, 1 through 17. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all of Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from those stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Excuse me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the greenery. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee, Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by, by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, So we're in Matthew 3, as you've noticed today, uh, and that means that we've jumped ahead from where we have been the last couple of weeks, uh, or three weeks, really. So for the last three weeks, we've been in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. We heard the genealogy. We heard Matthew's uh, telling of the Christmas story. Uh, Last week, we heard in Matthew 2 the visit of the Magi from the east and uh, the chaos, the destruction which ensued uh, from Herod's jealousy over their visit, uh, the family fleeing to Egypt and then ending up in Nazareth in the north, where Jesus was brought up. Well, today we have jumped forward about uh, 25 or 30 or so years. So Matthew goes directly from that story all the way to uh, Jesus, now around 30 years old, being baptized in the wilderness by John. 
And John is a bit of a strange figure out there in the wilderness. I mean, he's eating uh, wild, uh, loco- wild honey and locusts. He is uh, wearing uh, clothing of camel's hair, which doesn't seem like the most comfortable. I'm not really sure. Uh, and a leather belt around his waist, which seems like an odd detail to include. Um, but he seems like a bit of a, of a weirdo out there in the wilderness, right? This John the Baptist out there. But to understand John the Baptist, you have to go back to the Old Testament, to the prophets in particular, to see what John the Baptist is doing, who John the Baptist is. So if you ever uh, want to, and you could do this in your pew Bibles right now, if you turn to the end of the Old Testament, if you find the very last words in the Old Testament as we uh, order our uh, Bibles in English, um, it's the very last words in the prophets section. Uh, I think in the pew Bibles, I looked it up earlier, I think it's like 779, something like that, if you really want to. Uh, the last two verses of the Old Testament are this. Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. This is how the uh, Old Testament ends and it leads directly then into the New Testament as we have it organized in our Bibles. So the prophet Elijah will be sent before that great and terrible day of the Lord. That is the day of the Lord's judgment of Israel, the day of the Lord's judgment of the world. And so John is out here in the wilderness, and he's wearing the symbolism of Elijah, this leather belt and uh, perhaps even this hairy robe. So if you go back, if you want to, you can follow with me or not, uh, to uh, Second Kings, at the beginning of Second Kings, all the way back to the story of Elijah himself. You have this story where Ahaziah, the uh, king of Israel, has fallen and has become injured, and he's not sure if he's going to live. And so he decides to send messengers to inquire at a temple, uh, not the temple, but a temple of a different god, the god of Ekron, Baal Zebub. Uh, and he says uh, he wants them to go and inquire and see if he is going to recover or not from this injury. And while the messengers are out, they're interrupted by this man. They don't know who he is, but this man says, is it because there's no God in Israel that you have sent, uh, that you go to inquire of the God of Ekron? And he says, uh, take this back to the king. He's not going to recover. Uh, and so the messengers go back and they tell the king this, and the king is sort of surprised that they're back so soon. Um, but they relay this message. They say, this man met, and he says, now what kind of a man was he? Like, what did he look like? And they say, well, he was hairy. Uh, and he had a leather belt around his waist. And he goes, ah, it's Elijah. He just knows. That's Elijah's uniform, I guess. Harry and a leather belt. So here we have John in the wilderness wearing a coat of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. So if you were a uh, Jew at the, time, uh, at the time that these things were happening, and there was this man wearing the uniform of Elijah out in the wilderness saying something like, repent, the kingdom of heaven is here you'd know that maybe something was going on here. That God had promised to send Elijah before that great and terrible day of the Lord's coming. That great and terrible day of the Lord's judgment on Israel. And so the people go out to John. They flock out to him. John has come to prepare the people for this great and terrible day, and it seems he has his work cut out for him. So John is out here proclaiming this word of the law, which is going to divide the people. It's going to divide the whole world into the righteous and into the sinners, those who are right before God's law and those who are sinners before God's law. But as the people come flocking out to John, 
there's a whole lot of people ending up on one side of this divide, and so far not anybody on the other side. Everyone who comes out, whether they know it or not, some do, some don't, is unrighteous before the law. So some of these people, they come out and they recognize this and they confess their sin and they are baptized by John for repentance in the river. Uh, They at least know they can hold on to maybe God will be merciful. After all, we hear over and over again throughout the Hebrew scriptures that God is a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent from punishing. Others, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who we hear, uh, come out. They're the ones who, of course, know themselves to be righteous. They keep the law above and beyond. They honor God's law more than just about anybody else. They even teach others how to do it. And John has to respond to them with this word, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Here they thought they were children of Abraham, children of the father of faith. And John says that they are children not of Abraham, but of the serpent. That's a harsh word. So John is out here preparing the way for this great and terrible day of the Lord. He's got his work cut out for him. Uh, So far, they haven't found anyone righteous. Uh, Things aren't going that well as far as he is concerned. And then lo and behold, the Lord himself arrives. The great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Now, if you are following along, if you know what the prophecies in the Old Testament say, if you know the way that the day of the Lord is talked about by many of the prophets, not just Malachi, uh, but as this, uh, this terrible day, this day of judgment and wrath, this day of uh, who will be able to stand before the Lord on that day, then you know what comes next. The Lord is going to come and he's going to see that none are righteous and he is going to, what did he say, strike the land with a curse. Now, maybe some of them have repented, so maybe some of them will receive mercy, but overall, it's not going to be good. So here comes Jesus, here comes the Lord to John, and what happens? He's baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, this is strange. This is not what the Lord is supposed to do. John is out there uh, giving a baptism of repentance, confessing sins, and here comes the only person in all of history who actually has no sins to confess, and he comes to John, and he requests to be baptized. Now, John doesn't like this. This doesn't fit the pattern. This doesn't make sense to him. Uh, He would prevent him. It says, I need to be baptized by you, says John, but you come to me. It doesn't make any sense. But then Jesus answers him, and here, I think, is really the key to what's happening here. Let it be so now, he says, it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Now, often, I think we hear that, or I've often read that and thought, okay, it's sort of like what everybody's doing. Like, it would be weird if Jesus came to John and didn't get baptized. So Jesus is saying, just, just let it go. We don't want people to talk too much. But I think that misses the point of what's happening here. I think when Jesus says, this, let this be done to fulfill all righteousness, he really means all righteousness. Now, to understand what's happening here, you have to jump ahead a bit. Now, uh, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Nothing really has happened yet as far as what Jesus has done. And yet we know where the end will lead. We know that Jesus will, at the end of this ministry, of these three years of ministry, he will end up on the cross, and he will end up taking the sin of the world into himself on that cross. In John's gospel, John puts, uh, or tells of John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and saying, behold, the Lamb of God who 
takes away the sin of the world. Jesus has no sin of his own when he comes to the baptism, but whose sin will he have? Everyone's. Everyone's sin. God has set up this situation in such a way that John is now dividing the sinners and the righteous and everybody's ending up on the sinners category so that God is the only one righteous and when he comes, what does he do? He is baptized for them. He is baptized for you and for me. So that when we are baptized, when you were baptized, you were baptized into nothing other than Jesus' baptism. So that the forgiveness of sins, the promise of God which was given to you, that you are God's chosen beloved, that in you God is well pleased, that promise which was applied to Jesus on the day of his baptism becomes yours. Not because of your repentance, not because of your desire for change, not because of how hard you have tried, not because you have made the right confession or prayed the right prayer, but because God has decided to be merciful to you. God has decided to be gracious to you, that when the great and terrible day of the Lord came, God instead took the sin of the world onto himself, and the wrath of God was poured out, not on us, but on the cross. Our wrath was poured out on Jesus as we put him to death. And when Jesus returned after his res resurrection, he returned not with judgment, but with forgiveness and with mercy. Every year, the Sunday after Epiphany, is the baptism of Jesus. And there's a reason we celebrate it every year. Because here is the root of our baptism. Here is the root of the promise that we live out our lives of faith in, day in and day out. Here is God's promise of forgiveness of sins, which allows us to trust in him, which allows us to love him and not hate him, which allows us to live with one another in the midst of our sin, because if John came in to divide us sinners from righteous, he still wouldn't find any sinless ones here. But God the Father, when he looks at us, he sees Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.